Hey everybody, this is Pastor Court Chavis. Thank you so much for checking us out today at Truth Chapel's podcast. If this word has blessed your spirit or encouraged you, take a moment and leave us a quick review. Also, check us out at truth-chapel.com or any of our social media outlets, Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. God bless, and I pray you enjoy. Amen. If you have uh, your Bible, if you would turn with me very quickly to the book of Luke, chapter 22. Amen. I want to just teach for you just a little bit tonight. As you're turning, our classes can be dismissed. Amen. Ages 3 to 11. They're going to have a great time tonight. Amen. If you're a guest in the house and you have a child, they can be dismissed to their classes. Right out these doors, teachers will meet them and we'll take them to the class. Amen. I'd like to apologize tonight about the, the parking stuff and the drive-through. Right before service, uh, I got here and there was a company and they were just spraying. And I said, hey, man, <laughs> we, got, we, got, we got Bible study tonight, man. And uh, they were like, uh, oh, oh, well. So we had, to, we had to make do. So I hope that uh, everybody was okay. I think it was dry enough for us to drive on it. I think it was dry enough for us to be on it, but I just wanted to make sure. So thank you for, I know you probably received my all call and what is pastor talking about, but thank you for helping us with that. And uh, so over the last few weeks, I've been talking about the works of the flesh on Wednesday nights and tonight, uh, I'm going to shift gears a little bit. I'm going to shift gears a little bit and going to focus a little bit on a concept, the concept of conversion. And I want to read for you the Luke from Luke 22. I want to read for you Luke 22. I'll begin in verse 24, Luke 22 and 24. When you have it, just say, I got it. The Bible says, and there was also a strife. I mean, we talked about that, didn't we? Works of the flesh, electioneering for position, racketeering for position. There was a strife among them, which of them should be accounted the greatest? Which of us is going to be the greatest? And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them that they exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as the younger and he that is chief as he that doth serve for whether is greater he that sitteth at meat or he that serveth is not he that sitteth at meat but I am among you as he that serveth ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations and I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren and he said lord i am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death and he said peter i tell you 
that the cock shall not crow this day before thou hast thrice denied that thou knowest me. Amen. Can we pray together? Lord, we love you so much and we're so grateful for your word. I pray now, Lord, that you would speak to us through your word, that we would be, that we would grow, that we would mature. God, that this word would saturate our spirits and would be written on the corridors of our heart. And God, we'll be so careful to give you the praise and give you the glory that we would not be hearers, but doers also. And someone shout in Jesus' name. Amen. And you may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing. Amen. If you were here for the, uh, if you were here for the uh, Works of the Flesh series, then uh, you know what a strife is. You know what strife means. And uh, I believe that we struggle to understand uh, really what some things in the Bible mean. But uh, thank, thank the Lord that we have technology that can show us exactly what the word meant when it was written and the context that it was written in. And the word strife is electioneering for position or power. It is self-seeking. And this was a strife amongst the disciples because they were trying to work out which one of them was the best. You know, in the kingdom of God, which one of us is the greatest? Who's, who's, who's the best? Who's the best disciple? Who's the best communicator? Who's the best preacher? Who's the best teacher? Who's the best? And this was an argument. This was a strife amongst them. I don't know if it was an open argument. I don't know if they were literally sitting at a table yelling at each other who would be the best or just maybe uh, something in their spirit, uh, maybe not an open uh, context, maybe not an open argument, so to speak, but maybe just a just a one on one kind of, um, you know, a quiet electioneering, a, a quiet push to be better than the next man, because sometimes God, uh, you know, he, he sees the intent and the motive of our heart. We don't always have to do something publicly. We don't always have to do something naturally for God to see what we actually want in our hearts. Amen. And so there was a strife among them. They were wanting to know who would be the best, who would be the greatest. And Jesus begins to tell them, listen, the greatest among you is going to be the servant. He said, wouldn't you think that he that sits at meat is greater than the one who serves that one? And he said, but he said, but I mean, look at me. I am the greatest among you, but I am here serving. It would, I, I'm here serving you and I, I am the greatest among you. He said, but I am among you as he that serveth. I came as a servant. And he said, all of you have been with me through my temptations. And he said, I appoint unto you a kingdom. I, as my father hath appointed unto me, that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom. God has given you position. Every one of you will be at my table in the kingdom. You, you've been with me. And you will all have a seat at the table. And he's, he's, trying to, he's trying to take away their strife, their positioning, so to speak. He's like, everybody's got a seat at my table. There's... There's plenty of room for everybody at my table. You've been with me, you've walked with me, and now you have the opportunity to sit at meat at my table in my kingdom. And he's also encouraging them by telling them this, that if you want to be great, then you should be a servant. And he said, you will sit on thrones and you will judge 
the 12 tribes of Israel, 12 disciples, 12 tribes. And the Lord said, shifted his conversation from the whole to the individual. And he says, Simon, Simon, Satan hath desired to sift thee as wheat. And he, he said, Satan wants you. He wants to have you. He wants to, he wants to sift you. He said, but I prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. I talked about this a few Sundays ago when I talked about this moment where Jesus is not focusing on the upcoming failure. He's focusing on the faith. That Jesus knows, Jesus knows that Peter is about to fail, but he's not condemning Peter for the failure. He's praying for Peter's faith. Because he knows that Peter is going to fail, what he's praying is, I pray that your faith doesn't fail through your failure. I pray that through your failure, you keep your faith. One of the greatest things that me and you can do as children of God is keep our faith through our failures. You're, you're going to fail. Absolutely. 100%. Uh, none of us are exempt from failure. We all will face it at some point, at some time. We all will deal with failure. And it's not that you will fail. It is, will you keep your faith through your failure? At the end of your failure, will you still be here? At the end of the failure, will you still be in the kingdom? At the end of the failure, will you still hold your position? At the end of the failure, and you will fail, but can you get through the failure and keep your faith intact? So what Jesus is telling us here and what he's also uh, uh, revealing unto us what he's also revealing unto us is that you can fail and keep your faith let me say that again you can fail and keep your faith it is possible to walk through failure but keep your faith at the same time many of us believe that because we failed that we've lost faith that's not true Many of us believe that, you know, because we messed up, because, you know, we made a mistake or we went down the wrong path or we made a bad decision. Uh, all these things lead me to believe that now my faith is crushed and I don't have faith anymore. But Jesus said, I didn't pray. I didn't pray that you wouldn't fail. I prayed that you would keep your faith through your failure. Said, I, I know you're going to fail, but I didn't pray that you would be perfect. I prayed that your faith would not fail. And then he makes this statement, and when you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. This is a interesting phraseology. This is an interesting phraseology because it would seem like Peter is already converted. He has been with Jesus for three years. He has left his job. He has left his career. Of all intents and purposes, he has left his family. He has left his friends. Let the dead bury the dead. That's what Jesus told him. He said, I want to go back and bury my, my, my aunt and uncle. No, no, let the dead bury the dead. I need to go bury my father. No, if you're coming with me, you can't go back and bury. I mean, Jesus made them forsake all. So for three years, Jesus has been an avid follower of Christ to the point where he would, at this moment, be called a disciple but he is not converted. So when Jesus says, I pray that thy faith would fail not, I pray you'd make it through this. 
I pray you get through this failure. I pray you get through this night. I pray you get through this trial. I'm, I'm praying that your faith would help you get through this moment because when you come out of this moment, you're gonna be converted. That conversion is coming. Conversion is coming. And when you are converted, I want you to help your brother become converted as well. Strengthen thy brethren. They're gonna need you, Simon. All these men are gonna need you, Simon, to take lead, to take point, and to strengthen them. When you finally get it, now this is important because it would seem to me and you that he already had it, that you would already be there, that you followed Jesus for three years, and you have watched him literally walk on water, and you walked on water with him. I mean, that's enough to convert, right? That's enough to convert me. I would be converted. I mean, if, if Jesus come walking on the water, and I was like, Lord, if it's thee, bid me come. And he said, come on out here. And I walked on water with him. I'm done. I'm, I'm good. I'm legit. I got it. I'm converted. He's the guy. No other questions. I mean, not only did he see that, I mean, there's so, many we could, there's so many things we could talk about, but let's just talk about a few major things. Peter was there when Jesus took five loaves of bread and two fishes and literally just kept breaking them until over 5,000 5, men, not including women and children, were fed and the Bible says they were all full. Peter watched that happen. He was standing right there. He was serving them. The Bible says that he gave to the disciples and the disciples gave to the people. So he was a part of that miracle. He literally just kept taking bread. He would come back and Jesus would still have five loaves and two fishes. And he would break all the five loaves and he would give it to them. And they would take it out. They would disperse it to the people. They would come back and he'd have five more loaves and two more fishes. I'm like, this is ridiculous. Peter, but according to Jesus, you've seen that, but you weren't converted because you're not converted yet. He said, when you were converted. You're not converted yet. He said, Peter, Peter was there when, when Jesus comes four days late to, to Lazarus's sickbed. And he's standing with Jesus when Jesus tells him, hey, uh, just roll away the stone. And I'm sure Peter was probably one of them going, hey, hey, bro, like he's been dead for four days and I'm pretty sure we don't want to see that. And pretty, pretty sure we don't want to smell that. Lord, he stinketh. But, but Peter was there when they rolled the stone away and Jesus just, you know, hollered into the hole, Lazarus! And a few seconds later, here comes that. Peter was standing there when that happened. He was a witness to the miracles. He was a witness to the power. He was a witness to the glory. He was a witness. Listen, Peter was one of the three who were on the mountaintop when Jesus was transcended and Elijah came down and Moses came down. He saw that happen. He saw Elijah and Moses come down and stand beside Jesus and Peter watched that happen. He literally was there and he said, Lord, let us make a temple for him and a temple for him and we'll make you a temple too. We'll make, make, we'll make sure yours is bigger than theirs though. This is the guy who cast his net on the other side and pulled in so many fish, more fish he's seen his whole life. But the Lord said, you know, Peter, when you finally get converted, when you finally make it, strengthen your brethren. When you're finally convinced, conversion means convinced. When you're, 
what, how in the world could he not be convinced? Here's the thing, Peter thought he was convinced. In Peter's mind, he was convinced. Watch what he says next. He said, when you convert and strengthen thy brethren. The next words out of Peter's mouth is this, Lord, I'm ready to go with thee, both into prison and to death. You hear his, I mean, this dude is like, I'm there. I'm there. I am ready to go with you. I'm ready to go with you to prison, and I'm ready to go with you to death. I'm ready. Send, send me. I'm, I've seen it all. I've walked on water. I watched the dead raise. I watched the blinded eyes open. I watched the lame leap. I'm already c converted. I'm already convinced, and I'm ready to go. I'll go to prison. I'll go to the grave. Here I am, Lord. I am ready. Send me. I got this one in the bag. I'm, I'm the guy for the job. Here I am, Lord. Peter thinks he's converted because he's convinced. But Jesus says to him, Peter, you don't know this yet, but before the cock crows three times in the morning, you will deny me. You will deny that you even know me because you have seen my miracles and you've seen my works, but you're not converted. You've seen my power, and you've seen my glory, but you are not converted. You love me, you respect me, you admire me, but you are not converted. You are with me, you are walking with me, you are talking with me, but you are not converted. You have given me three years of your life. You left your mother and father, you left your business, you left your job, but you are not converted. None of these things mean you're converted. Belief does not mean you're converted. Miracles do not, believe, do not mean you're converted. Commitment does not mean you are converted. Three years of his life and he's not converted yet. He thinks he's converted. He thinks he's convinced. He's got his mind made up. He's telling Jesus, Jesus, I'm so convinced. I'm so converted. I'll go to prison with you and I'll die with you. They can put me on the cross as well. Go ahead, line me up too. I'm ready. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to give my life. He, in his mind, he thinks I've got it all together. But when they come to take Jesus in the garden, Peter swings a sword one time. He swings a sword one time and Jesus tells him, no, I thought you were ready to go with me to prison. Where'd the sword come from, Peter? I thought you told me you were ready to go with me to prison, even unto death. But here you are trying to defend me. By de facto, defend yourself. Hold that. And as they begin to beat Peter, as they begin to beat Jesus and march him through the streets and the crowds begin to gather and they're taking him from Caiaphas's house to the prison house and they are marching him down the road and they got candles burning and people following and shouting and they're throwing stuff at Jesus and the soldiers are slapping him in his face. Peter is standing on the outskirts the same night, that same night, the same night that he says, Lord, I'll go to prison with you. I'll die with you. The same night he's standing in the shadows and someone recognizes him and says, hey, I, I, you know what? I was there when, the, when there was the, the, the bread and fish was getting passed out and I, I, don't I know you? 
He said, you don't know me. He said, no, 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 you're, you, you are one of the ones that was with Jesus. And he realizes that his life is in danger. He realizes, he realizes that he's not converted yet. <laughs> he realizes that he's committed, but he ain't converted. He realizes that he's seen the signs, miracles, and wonders, but he just ain't ready for all that yet. He sees them beating Jesus. He sees them treating him the way they're treating him. And Peter, although he's got all these things under his belt, all this stuff under his hat, he realizes, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not there yet. And then he moves to another place. And, 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 and as he's, he's watching Jesus be carried off to his, in, to his imminent death, someone says, hey, I, Ain't you one of those guys that, that hang out with Jesus? I, I saw you down there where, where um, when, when Lazarus came out of that tomb, I, you were with him. I, I, I was there when that happened. Oh, man, you got, I, I got one of those faces. You know, I know who you're talking about, but that, that's not me. That's, that's my cousin. Twice. Because he's, he's feeling the pressure of the day. He's feeling the pressure of the moment. He's been along for the ride, but he's getting off the bus. He's been along for the ride, but, he, but he's getting off, because he's not converted. He has, there's no conversion done yet. He's just, he, he's been along for the celebratory moments, and he loves to go to church, and he loves to shout, and, and he loves the miracles, and he loves the signs, and he loves the wonders, and he loves being standing next to Jesus when Jesus is healing the sick. He likes, yeah, yeah, I'm with him. When Jesus is feeding 5,000, yeah, I'm with him. That's my boy. I'm just here backing him up. Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I want to stand close to Jesus when he's casting devils out of people and he's making the lame man leap and the blinded eyes are open. I, yeah, I'm with him. I, I've been, that's my, man, we go way back like three years. We go way back. I've been knowing Jesus for a long time, man. You know, he be talking to me sometimes, you know. Well, you know, like me and Jesus, we hang out, you know. He, sometimes, you know, we camp out together and stuff, and, you know. I mean, he be, you know, he, sometimes he asks me stuff, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm Jesus' manager. As long as Jesus is doing great things, I'm with him. But when it requires sacrifice, I'm not there. Here's how you know if you're converted or not. Is when it costs you something, are you with him? As, as long as I'm looking good, man, I'm by your side. As long as everything's hunky-dory, I'm, I'm good. But as soon as it costs me something, as soon as it makes me look bad, as soon as I get put in the same envelope as you, then, then now I'm, I, I don't know that guy. And as Peter follows along from a distance in the shadows, watching what they would do to him, the Bible says a young damsel recognizes him and says, hey, What's up, Peter? I know you. And the Bible says that he had to curse. He had to swear so that they would be convinced that he was not one of them. That's why you should not cuss and swear. Because it's the only thing that separated Peter from Jesus. You say, well, you know, I mean, it's not really necessarily a sin here or there. I mean, your words, whatever. But listen. If it's the only thing that separated Peter from them, I don't want no part of it. Amen? I don't want no part of it. Be careful with your language. Your language is a separator. 
People of God don't talk like that. Amen? Is it, is it still cool to be old school? Say, so we don't talk like that. Because language is a separator. Language is a delineator. And as soon as he said whatever word he said, I don't know what a, what a cuss word is in Jerusalem. Or I don't even know if the Hebrew language has cuss words. But whatever he said, he said something that it was like, ooh, obviously he's not with him because somebody who was with him would never say that. Somebody, one of his disciples would never see. He ain't converted. He's not converted. He's along for the show, but he's not converted. Put me in a corner, I'll still cuss. People got t-shirts talking about I'm Christian, but I still cuss. No, no you're not. You need to take that Christian off there. That's, that's disrespectful because, because you're not converted. Hey, nobody want to talk back to the preacher tonight. Man, try Jesus, don't try me because I throw hands. Okay. That's fun. It's exciting. Ha, 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 ha. I guarantee you Jesus did not crack a smile because that's not conversion. It's not, conver it's not true conversion. Peter is separating himself from Jesus, and as soon as he says whatever he says, in the background he hears, and he realizes I have betrayed him might as well taken the 30 pieces of silver myself two people betrayed Jesus on that night Judas and Peter but you know what Jesus didn't pray for Judas's faith He prayed for Peter's faith. And Judas had no faith. Ju Judas lost his faith and he put a rope around his neck and tied himself to a tree and took his own life. But Peter, who also betrayed Jesus on the same night, kept his faith. You say, well, we know that he went back fishing. You know, we know he gave it all up. Yeah, but he didn't take his own life. There was still something in him that said, maybe God will give me one more chance. And when Jesus found Peter after his resurrection. Peter was out on the boat doing what he was doing before Jesus found him. He went back living the life that he was living before Jesus. That's why you know you're not converted. Because if you could slip back into that so easily, you really wasn't free of that. Yeah. If, if all it took was just one night, you made one mistake, Jesus said, man, I pray for your faith. I didn't want you to lose your faith in all of this. And Peter just goes right back to the same old swine pit that Jesus found him in to begin with. The Bible says that he was naked. The Bible says he was out fishing and he was naked. Now, he probably wasn't naked as we, we suppose, but he probably, you know, he was showing enough flesh that Jesus would have considered him to be naked. And when Jesus found him, Jesus had to reconvince him. Peter, I prayed for you. Satan wanted to take you, just like he took Judas. But I prayed for you. I told Judas, go do what you do, do it quickly. But I told you I prayed for you. Satan wanted you like he wanted Judas, but I prayed for you. Because I, I done told you already, upon this rock, I'm going to build my church. But you need to be converted, Peter. Peter. 
How do I get converted? I mean, I've, I've seen the miracles, the signs, the wonders. I've seen it all. I've been around you. I've experienced your presence. I've experienced your power. I've experienced your glory. I've, I've not only been with you when you did great things, but I was with you in great moments when the glory of God shone down upon you from heaven. And I watched as the prophets came down and validated who you were. But I still couldn't get right. I still, in the course of one night, went from telling you that I loved you and that I would follow you to prison and death and literally walked away from you and betrayed you in the same night that I told you that I never would. But the Bible says that when the day of Pentecost was fully come, uh, in that upper room, he said, listen, I want you to go wait until you be endued with power from on high. What more power do we need, Lord? What, what, what greater thing can happen than has already happened? What, what greater moment could we have than has already happened? What, what greater thing could we get that we haven't already got? God said, I want you to go wait. Just go wait for me because I'm coming back. Not like he supposed, but I'm coming back as a spirit to live in you and walk in you. Go and wait for the spirit until you be endued with power from on high. And the Bible says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all gathered together in one place and in one accord. And suddenly a sound from heaven came as a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And cloven tongues of fire appeared upon each of them. And they all began to speak with new tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. And there were those in Jerusalem who were there paying taxes of all kinds of different nationalities. And they all heard them speak in their language. And they said, what is this? And it was noise abroad. And a large group came. And someone said, these are drunk. These people are drunk. And it was Peter who stood up and said, hey, we're not drunk as you suppose, seeing it is the third hour of the day. But this is what the prophet Joel spoke about. Hey, what happened, Peter? What happened? I got converted. How do, how do we know you got converted? I got converted because in Acts chapter 4, they tried to beat me and they, and they beat me with sticks and they kicked me in my ribs and they told me to never preach in Jesus' name again. But I told them, you can take my life, but I'm going to keep on preaching in the name that is above every name. Yeah. They tried to kill him on numerous occasions. They jailed him. They beat him. But he never, ever again turned his back on Jesus. What's different? What happened now that didn't happen then? I tell you right now, you see, I was with Jesus. I was around Jesus. I saw all the miracles. But now Jesus is in me. I was with him, but now he's with me. Listen, I know it's Wednesday night. And I know we just talking about Bible study, but I want to encourage you tonight that you need the gift of the Holy Ghost in your life to be converted. You say, well, I go to church, but do you have the Holy Ghost? Well, I love Jesus, but do you have the Holy Ghost? Well, you know what? I, I, I believe that, that Jesus is God, but do you have the Holy Ghost? Well, you know what? I believe in miracles, signs, and wonders. Do you have the Holy Ghost? Because it's the Holy Ghost that is the converter. The Holy Ghost is the converter. Before the Holy Ghost came, I watched him walk on water, but I couldn't hang. Before the Holy Ghost came, I saw him raise the dead, but I couldn't hang. Before the Holy Ghost came, I saw him do great wonders, but I couldn't hang. But when I got the Holy Ghost, they tried to kill me, but I kept preaching. They beat me, but I kept preaching. And when they did, 
when they did finally catch up with him and they said, we're going to kill you. We're going to hang you on the cross like we did Jesus. He said, no, 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 no. Hang me upside down. I don't want to be crucified like my Lord. I, I'm not worthy. He said, go ahead. You can go ahead and crucify me. Just don't crucify me like that. That's true conversion. That's conversion that'll say, hey, I'll walk through hell. I'll walk through pain. I'll walk through suffering. True conversion is when you can say, you know what? My sacrifice is worth it. My sacrifice is worth it. I'm not here just so I can get all the accolades. But Lord, whatever it costs me, whatever it costs me, I'm willing to go. Whatever it costs me, if it costs me friends, so what? If it costs me family, so what? If it costs me a job, so what? If it costs me position, so what? The Holy Ghost is true conversion. The Holy Ghost is true conversion. True conversion. In Acts 19, he asked them, he said, hey, he said, hey, all you disciples here that are doing good jobs and, and doing awesome and you're, and you're loving the Lord and you're studying and you're growing, have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? Oh, hallelujah. I know, I know you look good. I know you got the name on the sign and you, and you got your suit and your tie on and you, and you got a, but have you received the Holy Ghost? Uh, they said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Ghost. He said, how was you baptized? He said, we was baptized into John's baptism. He said, give me a high five and go get some water when you're done. Go get some water. We're going to rebaptize you in the name of Jesus Christ. And the Bible says he baptized them in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he had laid hands on them, they all begin to speak in tongues and they all receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. Why? Because that is conversion. That's conversion. That's conversion. If loving Jesus was conversion then Peter would have already had it. If miracles, signs, and wonders was conversion, then Peter already had it. If believing was conversion, Peter already believed. But Jesus said, when you are converted, when you are converted, strengthen your brethren. And that's what he did in Acts chapter 2 when he stood up and spoke to those who were there. He was strengthening his brethren. He was saying, brethren, we're not drunk like you suppose, but this is what the prophet Joel spoke about concerning... <laughs> In the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh. And the Bible said he preached to them Jesus. And when he was done preaching, the brethren said, men and, men and brethren, men and brethren, what shall we do? But Peter already had, he already had his marching orders. When I'm converted, I'm going to strengthen my brethren. And so when they said men and Brethren, what shall we do? He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, for the remission of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, for the promise is unto you, and it's unto your children, and unto those that are far off, as many as the Lord our God shall call. And the Bible says there were over 3,000 souls added to the kingdom that day. Hey! That's true conversion. Have you been converted? They said, I converted to this, I converted to that. Well, how was you converted? How was you converted? They said, well, I believe. Well, that's great, and that's good. You need to believe. But have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed? You say, well, I was, I, you know what, I believed and I was baptized. Well, that's great that you believed and you was baptized. But have you received the Holy Ghost since you believed and since you was baptized? So, wait a minute, all I did was, you know, I got, I, 
I believe the, the word of the, of the preacher and, and I got baptized, so, so now I'm good. No, 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 no. It, it, if that's true, then they would have been good in Acts chapter 8. Because the Bible said Philip went down to Samaria and, and, and he began to preach. And he began to tell them what they needed to do. And the Bible says the whole city believed, all of Samaria believed, and they were all baptized in the name of Jesus. Listen, he preached so good, even the witches got saved. The Bible says even the witch believed him, and the witch got baptized as well. That's good preaching. That's a good evangelist right there. That even the witches and the warlocks were like, man, this is good stuff. I'm, I'm going down in the water. He, he preached so good that even the witches and the warlocks got baptized as well. And the Bible says that many were healed and there was great joy in the city. So if joy is the Holy Ghost and healing is the Holy Ghost and baptism is the Holy Ghost, then we're done here. But the Bible says they called Peter and John because as of yet, the Holy Ghost had fell on none of them. They were healed, they had joy, they was baptized, but they didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. So Peter and John showed up, and the Bible says Peter and John laid hands on them, and they received the, they received the Holy Ghost. Why? Because Peter and John knew if we don't get down there and we don't complete the conversion, they may all miss it. They all believed, they were all baptized, many were healed, and there was great joy, but there was no conversion until Peter and John laid hands on them and they received the gift of the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. You need the Holy Ghost. Listen, God wants you to have the Holy Ghost so bad, he died so you could have it. That's pretty bad. It's a gift. And all you have to do is receive it. You don't have to beg for it. You don't have to go over top of, you, you don't have to, stop, stop overthinking it. It's a gift. When, when you came down the stairs on Christmas morning in your house when you was a kid, and there was a big old box in the living room with a big old ribbon on top of it, you didn't say, oh daddy, can I have it? Have I been good enough? You, and, and, and you didn't go over and be like, oh, what is it? What is it? Ooh, I, you know, ooh, it's, you know, it's shaped like this. And let me get my measure tape out. You didn't measure the box and try to figure it all out. You didn't measure the box and say, I wonder what could be in it. I wonder how it could look. I wonder what it would be. And, and no, 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 it's a gift. And so when the father said, open your gift, you didn't care how you looked. You didn't care who was watching. The windows could have been open and the whole neighborhood could have been watching. But you knew I'm about to get this gift. And you used hands, feet, and teeth to get that bad boy open because you knew there was something in there that you've been waiting for. It was a gift. You didn't have to ask for it. You didn't have to beg for it. The father, went, the father already paid the price for it. It's yours. All you got to do is open it and receive it. And when you open the gift of the Holy Ghost, you don't got to beg for it. It's already been paid for. The price was his blood and he gave it freely. And when you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. When you are converted, strengthen thy brethren. And you know what I'm doing here tonight? I'm just doing what Peter did. I'm strengthening my brethren. And I'm telling you, you need the Holy Ghost. And if you got the Holy Ghost, you need to strengthen somebody who don't have the Holy Ghost. Do not be ashamed that you're a tongue talker. Do not be ashamed that you believe that the Holy Ghost is the way. 
Do not be ashamed, oh no. If you'd be ashamed, if you'd be ashamed of it, then Peter ought to have been ashamed of it. And Andrew had to, ought to have been ashamed of it. And Mary ought to have been ashamed of it. And everybody in that upper room had to be ashamed, but they were not ashamed. They beat them. They killed them. They ran them through. They ran them out of town. They banished them, but they kept believing because they were converted. They were converted. They were converted. They were converted. What we need again in the house of God is a new and a fresh conversion. We need a new and a fresh conversion. God, pour it on us. I need it. I need to convert it. I need to, I need to be reconverted. God, convert me again. Fill me again. Pour it out on me again. Give me the boldness. Give me the boldness. We need a fresh conversion. We ought not be ashamed. We're a Book of Acts church. We ought not be ashamed. We're a tongue-talking church. We ought not be ashamed because we do it because they did it. This is how they received it. This is how they got it. Somebody said, yo, apostolics like to speak in tongues. Absolutely. You Pentecostals like to speak in tongues. Absolutely. But it ain't got nothing to do with apostolic and nothing to do with Pentecostal. It's biblical. Oh, yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The Lord, the, one of the largest religions on this planet is the Catholic Church and Catholicism. And their first pope, if you meet anybody who's a Catholic, and look, Catholics are amazing. They make some great apostolics. Their first pope was Peter. They believed that their first, the first pope of the Catholic Church was Peter. Well, what did Peter say? Peter was the one who was, he's the original converted. He's the original conversion. Peter's the one who said, you need the Holy Ghost. That was Peter. So if you're a Catholic, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're a Baptist, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're a Presbyterian, you need the Holy Ghost. If you're a Jehovah's Witness, you need the Holy Ghost. Oh yes, sir, if you're a Methodist, you need the Holy Ghost. If you got breath in your lungs, you need the Holy Ghost. You gotta have it, because that's conversion. That's conversion. You've got to have the Holy Ghost. I need it, you need it, we all need it. Be converted. When thou art converted. When thou art converted. As crazy as it sounded to Peter in that moment. Converted. I'm ready to follow you to, to prison and to death. Converted. As crazy as it sounded to him in that moment. He realized that I don't have the strength to make it through a sacrifice. But after he got the Holy Ghost. On numerous occasions. He was put in prison. On numerous occasions. He was flogged. On numerous occasions, his life was threatened. At the point of a knife or a boiling pot of oil, they threatened him on numerous occasions. But what he did that night, he never did again. When they said, hey, you're the guy that was with Jesus, he said, darn tootin'. You're absolutely correct. That's me, I'm the guy. I'm the guy. Yep, that's me. I, I'm with him. Well, you know, we hate him. Well, then you hate me. And you can preach, Peter. You can preach. That's what they told him in Acts 4. In Acts 4, they said, hey, Peter, you can preach. We, no problem with you preaching. Just do us a favor. Don't preach in Jesus' name. He said, that's like asking a leper to change his spots. That's like asking water to not be wet. 
He said, I, 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 I can't do that. He said, you could take my life, but I'm going to continue to preach in the name of Jesus. What happened? What happened between Acts 4 and the end of Matthew? What happened in those 50 days? What happened in those 100 days? What happened, what happened in that year that changed Peter's mind? He got converted. Three years with Jesus didn't do it. I'm coming to a close. But I want to encourage you, and maybe people who may be watching online tonight, three years with Jesus didn't do it. You may say, well, you know, I'm a good Christian, and I read my Bible, and I go to church, and, you know, and I believe. And three years with Jesus didn't do it. Well, I've been, you know, in church my whole life, and I, just, I believe three years with Jesus didn't do it. If three years walking with Jesus didn't do it for Peter, I don't think 30 years of sitting on a pew could do it for you. Say, so, well, I've read the Word. I read my Bible every year. It's not about knowledge. We have to understand this. It's not about knowledge. What you're doing is you are convinced that you can go to heaven off your works. You're convinced that your conversion is on you. That, hey, I've been a good person. I read my Bible. I go to church. I believe. So I'm good. That's what Peter thought too. I've been here. I've done all this stuff. My works, my attendance, is my salvation. See, a lot of times people look at the apostolic church, Pentecost people, they say, oh, y'all believe in works. But honestly, if you was to just turn a little bit, put yourself in your shoes for a minute, you would see you're the one that believes in works, not me. My works are filthy rags. I know for sure about that. I believe that nothing I do will get me in. That's why I got the Holy Ghost. Because I need the Holy Ghost. I can believe all I want to, but I need the Holy Ghost. I can, I can flip-flop, run around here, hang from the whatever those things are called. I, I, could, I could get the nicest suits and the nicest ties, drive the nicest car. I could do all those things. I could show up every service. I could, I could, be, I could get perfect attendance. But if I'm not converted, it means nothing. If I don't submit myself to the Spirit, it means nothing. If His Spirit doesn't live in me, if His Spirit doesn't live in me, you say, well, I know Him. I read my Bible every day. I know the Lord. I know Jesus. I studied the Greek and I studied the Hebrew and I studied the Latin. Man, I got it. I went to school. I got all kinds. I got more degrees than a thermometer, man. I, I know all this stuff, man. I got, I'm, I got a PhD. I'm, I'm a prophet. I'm an apostle. I'm a second deacon to the third power. Whatever you want to be. I, I know the Lord. 
Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse 21, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Have we not cast out devils in thy name? Have we not done many wonderful works in thy name? And then he said, I will say unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. What do you mean you never knew me? Yeah, you knew me and you did all these things in my name. But it was never about you knowing me. You think your works are getting you in. Oh, Lord, we did all these things in, in your name. Yeah, you see, you're still focused on your works. You think your works get you through the gate. He said, but really it was me knowing you. Never you knowing me. Because <laughs> you can study him all you want to. But if you never submit to the Spirit and let him study you. Oh, y'all not want to hear. He said, I never knew you. You never let me know you. You never let me in. We were never intimate. My spirit was never in you, just around you. You have no conversion. You're not converted. Oh, oh, hallelujah. Jesus he said, be you transformed by the renewing of your mind. You see upstairs, there's a little room up here probably about where Brother Greg's sitting upstairs, right back there, there's a little room, we call it the transformer room. A little something we had to do to get the AC to work because we needed 460, but they put in 220. So we got a transformer. And that transformer is a step-up transformer. And on one side of that transformer, we have wires coming in, 220. But something happens in the transformer. And when it comes out the other end, it comes out 460 and it takes 460 to run these AC units not 220 220 can't do it it's power absolutely you take that 220 stick it to your tongue goodbye goodbye baby don't cross your heart and we'll be having a funeral for you here in a few days 220 is powerful but it won't run this we need a transformer that can convert it converts it up goes inside that transformer does a bunch of stuff none of us have any clue what it's doing when it comes out comes out 460 and it takes 460 to run this 480 460 220 that's what it takes it can't do it 220 it got to be 480 got to be and so I need to be converted am I good maybe so Maybe I'm a good man. Maybe I've done good things. Just like, maybe just like Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, who was a good man, who prayed daily, gave alms to the poor. And the angel came down and said, hey, man, you're 220. You're doing real good. But I want you to go down and I want you to find Simon Peter. He knows all about conversion. He's going to tell you what you ought to do. He's going to plug you into something. And no, Cornelius, you're going to come out 480. Because 220 is good, but it takes 480 to run this. Would you stand with me? I pray this word was an encouragement to you today. Thank you again for tuning in to Truth Chapel's podcast. If you have not yet, please take a moment and leave us a quick review. God bless and have a great rest of your day.